passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back, folks. This is Believe in Rams episode 139. I'm joined by Cameron Lynch, former Rams linebacker, and I myself is Jake Ellenbogen. If you haven't watched this before, welcome in. Appreciate you watching, listening, all of that. Uh, Before we get into it, I'd ask anybody that is listening, watching, and has not already, please be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. Like, rate, review, all that jazz. Even, you know, throw a comment if you're on YouTube. Um, we're going to dive right into it, but first, uh, we have a betonline.ag ad read to read, and it starts like this basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So, Cam, uh, always love doing these with you. I'm excited to get started. We're going to start with the only way we know how, really, with the burning question. And mm. uh, this is, uh, it's it's not as fiery as, uh, you know, the last two, I think. But <laughs> we, we had to calm down a little bit. I mean, that, that was pretty fiery. But uh, this one, is it time to shut down all the starters and play your backups, draft picks, and depth pieces moving forward? I think building the bench is extremely important, right? We always talk about finishing strong and what does finishing strong look like? I know Aaron Donald's banged up. You know, Cooper Cup is banged up. Like everybody at this point on the offensive line, offense, defense, around the league, they're banged up. And so building the bench is extremely important. And when we say finishing strong, allowing guys to show show themselves on the field is going to be extremely important. Like I said, guys are playing for next year as well. Guys are looking, you know, I've been talking about this in the past podcast. Guys are looking to land either on the Rams next year, right? Because they're going to be, be evaluating, hey, how did this guy play? How did this guy play? They want to look to land on the Rams again next year or another team. And so it's important to make sure that the bench is built up and and, um, and that's going to, only going to make the coaches look better, right? The guys that bring off a of free agency, the guys that they drafted, it's going to show, hey, scout, hey, coach, you did a great job of bringing this guy on on the roster. So then now Kroenke be like, hey, thanks for bringing him on. He looks good. He might not be a starter, but the guy's crushing here on, on teams, special teams, offense or defense. So I think that's extremely important. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I think there were certain guys that had to step up that did in this game that give you some hope moving forward. Um, not necessarily this podcast, because you and I have already really talked about, I mean, I think we're both in the same vein here when i say you know we both like tutu out well and and we believe that he should get more playing time but not even just him i mean guys like jacob harris you know if he doesn't catch that fake punt this game is a blowout this game would have been disastrous and i'm so glad they went for it i'm so glad your boy riley dixon i i tweeted at you immediately man he threw a rocket I mean, that that was more velocity than I saw Perkins throw all game. So, uh, you know, that that thing was a missile. But, yeah. you know, Jacob Harris catches it. And keep in mind, this is the misconception when you have a play like that is that, oh, well, the backups are in. No, 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 no. Uh, 
Trent McDuffie was covering him who started the game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Jacob Harris had to go up against one of their starting corners and get open and he did. And so, you know, I thought it was an excellent job by him. And I thought that was just a really big moment in the game where you know, you're playing an arrowhead. You're well aware if you miss this, the game is probably done. Um, but it just kind of goes to show you like, Hey, we're three and seven ball club. This is our last chance at making the playoffs. I mean, I know as weird as it sounds, their playoff odds went up after this game because of who lost, uh, Mm -hmm. not good though, because 3% (laughs) still isn't like you're in it. But, um, I like that they played like they really had to win this game. There wasn't like any, okay, you know, woe is me. This, this season's over, like whatever, like they tried and they tried with, not Patrick Mahomes. They tried with their third string quarterback, Bryce Perkins. And I thought, you know, obviously the passing stats aren't going to look that great. Um, but I thought he played pretty well, considering the fact the offensive line just was not very good. Did not mm. give him a lot of time to throw at all. Uh, and just going up against, you know, the first team Kansas city defense is the first, you know, <laughs> you make your starting debut at Arrowhead stadium in the cold. I I don't, I don't know, man. I thought Perkins handled it pretty decently, despite the fact that it it was just, it was was the perfect storm not to win that game. You (laughs) know what I mean? Yeah. Bryce. I mean, Bryce is running for his life the whole game. Jake, like, let's be honest. Bryce is running for his life the whole game. I think there was one screenplay that he wanted to set up. And I mean, the guy fakes the run and turns around and Chris Jones is literally sets up a tent in the backfield. He's been doing that, the whole game, pretty much the first half. But one thing I will say is the Rams' offensive line, I think we mentioned it, has been the 11th iteration, 12th iteration, whatever that is, of a new offensive line. But they stepped it up the second half. I mean, the second half, you saw Bryce kind of pounding his chest a little bit, you know, telling Sean McVay, hey, believe in me. Like, I am that guy. And so, you know, I think we talked about it before, but before the podcast, but giving the game ball to someone, you know, what does that look like? I know for the Rams fans, it's like, man, we're losing a lot of these games. But one thing, you know, as a former player that we really appreciate is getting our gold star. Like, hey, we might not have won the game. You know, it's a 22 person game, you know, offense and defensive wise. But, you know, who who showed out, you know, who showed out? And I feel like on the offensive side, Bryce Perkins, he showed that fight, man. I mean, you know, you see Wolford come in the game, you know, a couple years back and last year, this year ball out but like Bryce Perkins he brought some type of fire and some type of gumption to the game and it's like oh wait a minute here like we got a baller on our hands and so to see him run the ball really well even though the Chiefs defensive line would literally set up tents in the backfield but just to see him run the ball and then also to Sean McVay finding confidence in him right in the second half you see Sean McVay opening up the playbook a little bit getting him on some sprint outs and some rollouts so to see Bryce Perkins excel a little bit in that game in the second half was, it was really good to see. Yeah. And I want to kind of, uh, I guess not retract my statement in the offense line. I just, I'm trying to get really good this season, not saying the offense line as a whole is bad, right. Or, or what didn't play well, because that, that's, that's not true. What I should have said is that the left side really struggled. Um, AJ or Curry, also making his first ever start. I don't think he had really played in a game up to that point. Um, He gave up like five, six pressures. I mean, he really struggled. And then I think because of that, you know, Matt Skura also was in a bad spot because of the left tackle, um, which could have been the same if Matt Skura was really bad at left guard, it would hurt the left tackle. Um, These guys play off each other. And I felt like the right side uh, especially in the run game. I thought you saw some great things out of Rob Havenstein, the only guy knock on literal wood right now uh, <laughs> that has been able to stay healthy on the offensive line all year long. Um, I thought Ode Abushi played well once again. Um, and then I thought Coleman Shelton, who didn't give up pressure. He's the only one on the offensive line that didn't give up a pressure. I thought he played well enough, uh, you know, to help you out. But it was Perkins running from, you know, this side, he's going over to the right side. So that's the left side just collapsing. Um, and I'm not, it's not to say that they never had any issues on the right side, but for the most part, I think they only give up 11 pressures. Uh, pretty much like seven of those were all came from left tackle and left guard. So, mm. I mean, that's a lot. And that's a lot coming from your blind side too. Luckily, Perkins was able to feel the rush. And, you know, you can say what you will about him throwing the interceptions, Um, you know, but I was impressed that he didn't put himself in a position to really fumble the game because 
having that blindside pressure, if you don't feel that, it's going to be a long day. He had to feel that, and I thought he did a really nice job of feeling it, reading, reacting, and, uh, you know, he tried to do a little Russell Wilson in his prime, you know, just running around like it's uh, you're playing backyard football. But I really felt like if he had time, they could have won this game. Um, the interception doesn't happen if he has time. And then the second interception was a tip ball. So it's like, I I don't feel like he was horrible in this game. The way his 29.4 QBR would have you believe. Um, but that was all in the fourth quarter and that was all in the fourth quarter too, Jake, right? Like the last four to five minutes, like, you know, the the Rams are down by 20 something points. Like it it happened in, in tough circumstances. And then like you talked about earlier, him evading some of the pressure from the left side. I know you mentioned Sneed, him being one of your game wreckers or your X factors. Oh, he um, was. Yeah, and he, and he was. He had an interception, <laughs> tip ball, but then a couple plays, too. We talked about Bryce evading that pressure where, you know, he knew Sneed was blitzing. He blitzed on the first play, blocked the ball. Second play, blitz, and he was able to roll out, like he said, when it was Russell Wilson and dished the ball off. So, you know, Bryce Perkins, he, he held his own. Um, and the interceptions came after Patrick Mahomes had his interception, right? And so it's kind of like you get the, the fever of interceptions there. But he held his own pretty much the whole game, man. Shout out to Bryce. He broke like seven tackles. It was like the greatest <laughs> like three-yard or four-yard loss I've ever seen. Like he took a sack, but like Nick Bolton is hard to get. Like they mentioned on the broadcast, like when Nick Bolton has vice grips on your jersey, like you're done. And he broke out of that. You know, he broke out of that. He broke out. It just didn't really phase him. Um, I have to give a shout out to the other team. I, you know, Legereus Sneed is a star. He's a star. Yeah. I think people finally are starting to realize that. I mean, they they have an absolute star in this league. Um, mm-hmm. I think PFF has him in the top 10 uh, in cornerbacks this year. I mean, rightfully so. I would say he's probably top five this year, if I'm being honest. Just watching him every single game. Um, you know, he's an outstanding tackler. He can blitz. He, you know, is a big time game breaker because once he gets the interception, he's got great vision, uh, you know, after the play can make, you know, things happen. But then on the other side of things for, you know, the Rams defense, um, and we'll go back to the offense a little bit, but I just wanted to point out that Leonard Floyd had seven pressures and I thought he was outstanding in that regard. My only concern is that on those, you know, Mahomes runs, Floyd gave up contain. So Mm. it's one of those things where you have to love the seven pressures. That definitely helped. But he gave up contain with those inside moves, and this was not a game where you could do that because Mahomes isn't a guy that's going to run all the time. There will be games he doesn't run at all. But in a game like this where you're pressuring him, if you give him that lane, he's going to take it. And he doesn't have to be... You know, Lamar Jackson either. He can still kill you with his, what, 4-7 speed. I mean, he's still fast enough to to run by most guys. And, you know, I was uh, very impressed the way Mahomes used his legs because I don't feel like he was that great in this game with his arm. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying. You know, if if they don't make their shots, right, if if they struggle, you know, if, if these throws aren't happening, uh, then it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs, and they're going to have to figure out a way to win. The Rams are going to have to capitalize. I thought the Rams did their best to capitalize, but I thought Mahomes did a nice job of trying to keep the game alive, despite the fact I don't think, you know, obviously the bendo break, you know, left guys open and he hit throws, but this wasn't Mahomes that we've seen all year that would lead you to believe he's probably the MVP uh, if the Aaron season Donald. ends today. Because, I mean, you got Aaron Donald breathing down his back. I mean, yeah. literally the first series, Aaron, Aaron Donald had about two or three pressures back to yeah. back. And so, you know, I think we talked about it last, you know, last week, but just our game breakers, our X factor, Aaron Donald, he he showed up. I know he has an ankle injury right now, but he showed up. And then also, too, you, you mentioned Leonard Floyd leaving up contain. That's not only Leonard Floyd. You know, that's also just the defensive line of the Rams in general, right? There were probably like 10 to 15 times, I probably have to look it up, right, where Patrick Mahomes is breaking contain to the, his right side. I mean, it happened multiple times. I know Greg Gaines, there was a text, uh, an exit stunt where the end kind of crashes in first and then the tackle kind of comes inside. And so Greg Gaines lost contain. Patrick Mahomes was able to inch the ball up to like the 5 or 10-yard line. And so, you know, when you go in, after, when you watch film, the defensive line is supposed to say, hey, 
that's on us, y'all. Like, we should have kept the best player in the world from running free. <laughs> you know what I mean? And finding open receivers. And so, and a lot of times, too, you know, when Patrick Mahomes, I saw this in the uh, Super Bowl, not last year, but the year before that, with uh, the Buccaneers versus the uh, um, versus the Chiefs. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes would hit his receivers right in the hands. So there was a couple of drop footballs by the Chiefs offense. So, um, you know, like you said, Patrick Mahomes didn't have his best game, but he, I feel like he had his kryptonite, kryptonite there and Aaron Donald causing that pressure. Yeah, and um, I thought the Rams did as good as you could uh, stopping Isaiah Pacheco. Um, yes. What I like about what Kansas City did is they were like, yards per carry doesn't matter. We're just going to keep feeding him. And what that does for a defense is that you have to keep it honest. It doesn't matter if you keep stopping it. They're they're hoping to hit that one home run. And, I mean, they only got nine yards the longest of the day for Pacheco, but he still was able to kind of ground and, and pound a little bit and kind of weaken the defense at times. Um, he was able to get in the end zone, you know, when they finally, the only touchdown they scored uh, in the red zone. Um, and then, you know, I think when you, you look at his ability in the passing game, only allowing him one, you know, one catch for 17 yards, uh, I believe that was the missed Taylor Rapp tackle was really impressive. The Why way they got you on Taylor Rapp like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like the way they got Ronald Jones involved though. Um, yep. because I, I don't know why they, they waited so long. You, you and I have both talked about him on this show and why he would have been a good fit for the Rams, uh, when he was tweeting out like, Hey, can you release me? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you know, you had all that. They held Travis Kelsey to four catches for 57 yards. I know he had the touchdown, but I mean, that's a good day. I mean, you held him. He had a 39-yard touchdown, and then after that, I mean, he didn't really do much, right? And, so, he, and he was single-covered on that touchdown, too, by Jalen Ramsey. And so, like, I think we talked yeah. about it. Double-team Travis Kelsey. No matter if it's your best player or not, like, that does not matter. <laughs> you know, Jalen Ramsey, to be honest, has, has been having some trouble. Chris Olave against the Saints. You know, Travis Kelsey. And so, it doesn't matter if the Superman is out there. Superman needs some support. And so... Double teaming Travis Kelsey, they they found some luck with that. You know, got an interception in the in the uh, red zone. We we talked about it before. Just the Rams' red zone defense being impeccable, and so finding that double team on Travis Kelsey, getting that interception was like job well done. Great job there. <laughs> yeah, no, it it was huge. I mean, you know, that's the thing that really um, the thing that really sucked was because they get the interception, Nick Scott. And that was one of their big stops in the red zone. And then they threw an interception like the next play. And I feel like mm -hmm. at that moment, it's 20 to 10. You're starting to feel good about yourself. Uh, you know, Bryce makes a bad decision, but I also think it led because of the pressure. Um, you know, it was really unfortunate because Kim, I, I, this game made me realize something Everyone wants to dog on this team and say how bad this team is. And I understand the three and eight, right? They're one and four on the road. That's not, that's not a Sean McVay team. Uh, not normally. Um, but one thing that you can say, and this is why I push back on anybody who says they're the worst team in the league, you know, Houston's bet. No, Houston would not beat the Rams. Um, the Rams are in every game, every game. Whether it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the 49ers, they've been in almost every single game in the fourth quarter. So explain that, that to me how they'd be worse than the Texans who get eviscerated on the daily. I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know how you can say this team is worse than the Texans. Now, do you have to win games? Of course. But they have literally tried to make this the most painful season for Rams fans because they're in every single game cam this game they were in I mean did, did this feel like a 26 to 10 you know win no it felt like the Rams were a possession or two away uh not three possessions or whatever but um you know I I give them a, a lot of credit you know, we can be all the picky we want. I mean, personally, I think David Long, they'll move on from. I think they'll move on from Taylor Rapp. I think the secondary needs an overhaul in the offseason. I do. Um, I was annoyed that Russ East didn't get a chance to play or Quentin Lake, guys like that. Um, but when you look at the positives here, the linebackers are good. You know, the defensive line. Look, Ashawn Robinson's injury. I never want to call an injury a blessing in disguise. But think about how much more affordable, unfortunately, he is now you know, suffering that torn meniscus. 
that's a guy I want back. He's 27 years old. He's one of the best run defenders at his position. I, I think he comes back on a cheaper deal. And I think Greg Gaines, you know, is a perfect example of why I think they need to play more of their backups moving forward. Greg Gaines took over for Sebastian Joseph day in a super bowl season. Uh, Joseph day was a very highly regarded, not only fan favorite, but turning into a star in the interior and Greg Gaines came out of nowhere. And this fourth rounder who never really had a run, he flashed at moments, but never started took off. There's no reason why the Rams can't get guys like Skoranek who played huge reps last year, wasn't great in them, but it prepared him for this year. I think he took a big step. The stats don't indicate it because the season went awry, but I think he's taken a big step. I think Nick Scott, I'm not saying he's great, but Nick Scott was just a special teams ace. And now all of a sudden he's starting on your defense the next year. This yeah, he was is the, the wood sign. The yeah. And this <laughs> yeah. is the sign cam that this was, this was during the Super Bowl year. They were not trying to do this. Now we can look at this like this. This may be the negative approach. I'm going to say this is the positive. You got six more games. This team has a 3% chance of making the playoffs. If they make it great, I'm not going to sit here and say they, they should make it. I'm not going to sit here and say they should play Donald. Shut down Donald. Okay. He has an ankle. Shut him down. Shut Agreed. down the backup. Uh, shut down the starters. Play the backups. Because there's no reason why you can't create guys like a Skoranek, like a Gaines, like Scott for next campaign. And that's how I see it, is that these reps are invaluable. You got six. Essentially, you're playing with six preseason games moving forward. That's how I would look at it. And that, but they're preseason games that count. So the reps are just, I mean, this is so imperative for them not to blow this this is a huge opportunity that you will not get because the teams that get this opportunity blow up the team the next year this is an unprecedented type of season for the rams to have that much talent that many injuries and have it go this way i think the majority of the team will be back next season so these guys can actually have stock you know in the, like with these reps they can actually have stock in this team and this team can have stock in them. So I look at it like that, Cam, is like, you know, hey, if I get Tutu Atwell going, I have stock in him next year. If mm -hmm. I get, you know, I, I mean, I was really impressed the way Michael Hoyt played the edge position. I have not seen him Hoyt. do that. You know, <laughs> yeah. he had two he had two uh, um, pressures. Uh, yeah. If you can get him going more, you have stock in him next year. You know, there's more guys at the table. So this is how I'm looking at it. I think you got to... You got to create Greg Gaines. You got to create Nick Scotts. You got to create uh, Ben Skoranek's because next year you will have a very similar roster. There will be changes, but those guys will have a chance to be contributors next year. And I just think it makes your team better and fortifies the things that maybe you weren't able to fortify before because you were too good to do it. Yeah. And what I'll add too to that is taking risks, right? You have six games left. Sean McVay, let's take risks. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> go for those fake, you know, fake punts with Riley Dixon. You know, that's that's gonna be my my game ball to Riley Dixon. I played football with him at Syracuse. He played quarterback in high school up in up in upstate New York, and so he did a lot of trick plays um, going into Syracuse. And so, taking those risks are extremely important. And I think I mentioned it too. The second half of the Chiefs and Rams game, the playbook started to open up a little bit, right? And you 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 would see with Perkins. There's only a couple play, kind of similar plays. You know, you got two receivers outside. You got two backs in the backfield. Kind of like the same makeup. You have one guy going in motion, the same thing over and over again. And then the playbook started opening up a little bit. And so having taking risks this back end of the season will be extremely important. Figuring out who you are, right, at, for the Rams. Like I said before, it's easier it's easier to jump jump and uh, jump and shout whenever you're winning. You know, Super Bowl champs, like all oh, this is great, but when you're down, like figuring out who you are in the core. And so this second half of the season, Sean McVay opening up the playbook, maybe even passing the passing the sticks, maybe having a young coordinator that's you know one of his coaches that are going to be a head coach somewhere someday, having them take over the sticks and also jump in and make calls on those plays. Raheem Morris, right? I mean, he, he probably, he's probably up for a head coaching position as well. 
having someone else jump in and take over uh, for the defensive play calling as well. Maybe they don't run so much of a soft defense that bend, bend no break. And Patrick, and I want to mention this too, Patrick Mahomes eating up that bend no break, that that soft cover two coverage where the, where the corner is sitting, sitting in the flat and there's a, that dead space in the corner. Patrick Mahomes was eating that up. And so I'm sure other teams are going to see like, hey, whenever the Rams are lined up five yards outside the ball, you, you see Jalen Ramsey far, super far back. You see Troy Hill super far back. Throw it in that dead spot right there because the, we know they're playing cover two. And so having some of those fresh new coordinators that are going to be head coaches somewhere jump in and, and, and handle some of the play calling, I think is going to be extremely important. And, and take take shots. No risk it, no biscuit. I mean, come on, man. This is You got six games left. You're building for next year. You're trying to find, like I said, that diamond in the rough. So let's find them. Let's see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I think it, I was very happy to hear, not that he was hurt, but um, that Sean McVay kind of clarified why Terrell Lewis didn't play. He was dealing with a back. That's what I like to hear because I was terrified in this game of all games. You just let Hollins go. Hollins, of course, has a sack uh, on Sunday Night Football. Won't get too <laughs> yeah. into that, but happy for him. He's a good dude. Um, you know, I was so worried when I saw 52 wasn't out there and 97 was. It's nothing against Hoyt. I thought he did a good job. But I was like, man, that's your third round pick in 2020 and he's not playing this game. What on earth? I mm-hmm. mean, seriously, I started to worry because I was like, Burgess is already out the door you know what now you're done with Terrell Lewis. I mean, you got hit on these picks, but we find out it's a back issue. He'll probably be back uh, in the next couple of games, you know, maybe next player week, safety. who knows? Okay. Player safety, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I, I was a little, you see what I mean? I was a little worried. They had already given up on another third round pick in mm-hmm. 2020 when they don't have a bevy of picks. Let's be honest here. I mean, with the minority coaching hire compensation, um, if Raheem Morris, like you mentioned, does get a head coaching job, they get a third rounder this year, next year, which is great. Um, here's, I, I gotta throw this out here. Cause I said this the other day and I believe this and other people are like, eh, it's, no, hear me out. Okay. A zero Evero was a huge loss, right? They lost him. He was a secondary coach. Now he's defensive coordinating, you know, the Broncos. It's the only good thing about the Broncos. Their defense is great. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, yeah, so much for all That's those right. picks that you gave up for <laughs> Russell Wilson. Dear God, I did not like that trade when it happened. But mm. uh, regardless, okay, Ajiro Evero, and I want to get your take on this as well. Ajiro Evero is why? He's he's living, breathing proof why I think you deserve compensation for a minority coaching hire that goes from being a, you know, secondary coach to defense coordinator, like a quarterback's coach to an offensive coordinator. Now the Broncos are going to get a third round pick uh, when he absolutely deserves to be a head coach. He's going to become a head coach probably this offseason. So the Rams, they lose their guy. <laughs> who they kept building up, who they probably would have promoted after Raheem. They lose their guy, and then the Broncos get a third-round pick for plucking him from the Rams. They didn't develop him. They just put him in the defensive coordinator spot that the Rams probably would have put him in the next year. And so my issue with that is I understand you can't give a third-rounder if you lose a secondary coach, but Evero is showing that he's one of these up-and-coming guys I feel like it's the argument they could get. They could give at least a sixth or a fifth around fifth rounder away. What are your thoughts on the coordinators? Cause I feel like it's the same point, right? Because you know, it, it's the whole, you know, minority coaching hire thing. You're trying to, you know, push the envelope there. You're trying to, to solve an issue that's in the league. That's still solving an issue because you know, now you have a promotion there where you have a secondary coach becoming a defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think just the fact that there's a minority compensation piece, like just that issue in itself, it, it's irking, right? Because it's like, wait a minute, like you're providing draft picks because a minority coach was then elevated to a different position. Like that's wild. <laughs> Let's, you know, that I, the buck stops there. That's I agree insane. with that. But I'm saying <laughs> yeah. if it's already a thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. If it's already a thing, then yeah. why isn't it a thing for assistant coaches? Yeah, a promote at the end of the day, a promotion is a promotion. You know, at, at the end of the day, right? When you get promoted from one job to the next, there's an increase, a raise, 
uh, nice package, compensation, compensation package, whatever that is, the compensation package, our draft picks, then go ahead and bring them on in, right? Because I think, like you mentioned, that's going to force ownership to recognize the talent, regardless if it's a minority, regardless if it's a non-minority, you know, whatever that looks like. But regardless, if it's a minority, I think go ahead and give them those picks, you know, figure that out so we can increase that. And then hopefully the minority, hopefully at one point the owners are like, you know what, this minority compensation piece is kind of crazy. Let's go ahead and take that out, you know, full stop and just go ahead and hire people uh, to be in the position that they deserve to be in. And so, um, so yeah, why not go ahead and bump it up? Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree with you because, I mean, it's one of those things, it's one of those tight subjects that you kind of can't talk too much about because people take it really offensively. But I guess my perspective on it is that these guys do a damn good job and to be just like, you only got the job so we could get draft picks. Right? I just, I don't like that. I feel like yeah. that's kind of, and I feel like that's what you're saying as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's kind of disrespectful. Um, yeah. But I get it. If they're trying to solve an issue, then this is probably a short term thing that they'll be doing for the next five years. And the hope is that it goes away. It's not supposed to be there forever. It's supposed to go away, solve an issue and then it's gone. Um, but I just I thought about that because I was like, I'm watching Evero's defense over with the Broncos. And I'm like, man, they lucked out. They They lucked into that guy because he had been with the Rams since 2017 and he had done a outstanding job now people would say when you know staley was gone that would have been the time for him to become the defensive coordinator but you know sean McVay probably thought he was a year or two away you know raheem morris let's not uh invoke favoritism there because raheem morris fired sean McVay. let's not forget about that so mm. uh you know there's no favoritism but you know it's definitely something um that i think they should explore as long as they keep doing the minority coaching higher picks because these assistant coaches are are very valuable. And I think the Rams definitely missed Evero this year. And we know they missed O'Connell, not saying he's a minority, but we know they missed O'Connell. It just kind of goes to show you these assistant coaches are more important than people think. And I, I feel like we have kind of gotten so used to the idea. Oh, Sean McVay, it's just a, you know, this nonstop, you know, motion of coaches. That's a lot to put on the players it's a lot on Sean McVay. There are things that you can do with Thomas Brown that, you know, is great. But when he like, say he leaves this year and becomes a head coach, maybe you can't do that with Rashad samples. Are there things that you did with Zach uh, Taylor? Who's the head coach for the, the Bengals that now maybe you can't do with Liam Cohen, you know, and that's kind of the thing. So um, I don't know. It, it's going to be a transformative off season cam. I don't think it's going to be like, everybody goes i know people want to blow it all up because i'm wearing a usc hoodie and everybody is all (laughs) going crazy uh for caleb williams but the rams i don't think their window has closed and and i don't think we're about to sit here and say they should blow it up uh so they can try and get the number one overall pick because hate to break it to you the last time they got the number one overall pick they were picking 13th they didn't Mm. blow it up they were just picking 13th and they traded up with the Tennessee Titans to acquire the pick for Jared Goff. Uh, I think we would see something like that when they decide it's time to go for a quarterback, they'll trade up in the draft. I don't think they're going to tank They're that Sean McVay would never tank. And I just don't think this organization would tank because you can't every, all the competition you go up against in LA, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, uh, the Ducks, the Angels, the Dodgers. I mean, the list goes on, right? Like, there's so many different things. LAFC won the title this year uh, mm-hmm. in MLS. Like, there's so many different things and distractors. There's another team in your stadium, the Chargers. You can't yeah. afford to tank because people will just lose interest. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you have your diehards. Don't get me wrong. It's not a knock on the diehards. But for the people that are casually invested, and those are, you know, a lot of people they wouldn't be as invested obviously if they're tanking the season who's going to go to a game if they know everybody and their mother knows that this team is trying to lose that's not cool yeah that's not cool no no and they're not going to do that i think it's la sports is too important la entertainment is too important right like you got the rock showing up to the to the rams games like he's not going to show up and promote black adam at the rams games if he knows that sean McVay is tanking the season and so I think it's extremely important that we, we talk about it to a blue in the face, but finishing strong is extremely important, not only for 
the players, the coaches, but also just L.A. in general, right? Everyone's, everyone wants to go to a team that they know, hey, might not have went well last year, but hey, next year we know that Sean McVay has a deep coaching staff and that they're going to bounce back the following year, that the players finish the season strong. They got the third-string quarterback, Bryce Perkins, with the makeshift offensive line, and they're still crushing it, you know, and still giving hope against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. And so the Rams have the Seahawks come up these next, you know, they have two two bouts against the Seahawks coming up pretty soon. And I was watching that that Seahawks game um, that was that versus the Raiders. That was a wild game. And the Rams, <clears throat> the Rams have to get ready for Geno Smith. You know, Geno Smith is nothing to play with. Um, he's not your Patrick Mahomes, but the Seahawks have a lot coming with them. Losing to the Raiders in that fashion, it, it was a tough game. And so they're going to come come out swinging. It's a divisional game. We always talk about this. It counts as two. And so beating the Seahawks is going to be extremely important. Hopefully it increased the percentage of going to the playoffs, maybe from three to four. <laughs> you know, who knows? But I think it's going to be extremely important for the Rams to finish strong. And also, too, we talk about this coaching staff for, for the Rams. Coaches love to go to the Rams because they know that they can possibly catapult their careers to be a head coach or whatever that is. They don't want to go to a team that's taking a season. That means no. that the, not, not only the head coach allowed that, but the assistant coaches sat back and allowed that. And I don't think that's the culture at the Rams. And so um, going back to your point, the Rams have a strong foundation in coaching and players. And I think they have to show that by finishing the season, um, the season strong. I agree with that. Um, I I think we're I think this is the last year of Raheem Morris. I, I think he's gonna be a come ahead coach. And I think, you know, Sean McVay is going to be in a position where he's gonna need to either promote a guy in house and risk losing him if he doesn't. It's kind of one of those situations where it's like, even if a guy isn't ready necessarily to become a head coach, it's almost it's like I, I'm all about promotion, but it's so scary because you lose an Eric Henderson or a Chris Shula when Raheem Morris, no doubt about it, probably wants to bring him on as a defensive coordinator and you can't block it because it's not a <laughs> lateral move. Um, so, you know, that's always the thing there. But I think, you know, if Raheem does become a head coach, you look at Eric Henderson in house, you look at Chris Shula, who's worked with the linebackers. Now he's the Rams DB coach. I don't think that is uh, you know, a coincidence. I think Sean McVay is doing the same thing, grooming uh, Thomas Brown, who was a running backs coach, then became an assistant head coach with the running backs. And now he's a tight ends coach and he's had stock in the running backs this year, helping out Rashad samples. Who's one of the youngest coaches in football at 27 years old. Um, you know, and then you look at Jonathan Cooley, the DBs coach, he's another one, but then I want to name some names here. It's a, the Rams have a factor for coaches. It might as well just sound coaches you. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah, that exactly. is. Exactly. But even still, since this is the Rams, and I think people, and this is this is the cool thing about this team, because I don't think people are are sold on this team being bad. And in the in the free agency, uh, in the draft, like UDFAs, uh, you know, free agency and coaching, I think people competitive people that may think that they might be a little easier with this team, right. Than going to a Houston Texans team, because this team, if you can get on board, I don't think this team is that bad. I don't think the window is closed and think about the, the headlines. We can go from last to first, we can run it back a year later. Right. And so if I'm a coach, I want to come here because I know this team is not as bad as they look. They've been dealt a bad deck with the injuries. One has to hope that doesn't happen again, but this team has the talent. And so, you know, when I hear the interim head coach for Wisconsin, Jim Leonard is not going to be back uh, because they, they hired the guy from Cincinnati, Jim Leonard, by the way, before Brandon Staley was very much interested in that job at defensive coordinator. And Sean McVay was very interested in Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard would be a great hire if you're not going to go in-house. I would imagine at this point, Eric Henderson, Chris Shula are good enough uh, or, you know, at least understand what it would take enough to be that. But that would be Sean McVay being like, we just want Jim Leonard. We wanted before it didn't work out. Now we want him. This is our time. So very interesting stuff going on in Wisconsin now that he's the interim head coach, but they hired another guy. I don't think he's going to take a defense coordinator position there. I think he was there thinking he, that was his team. He would eventually become the head coach. And now, you know, he, he's, he's odd man out. So I think that's a guy to look out for. Brian Flores, 
Steelers mm. linebacker coach. Uh-huh. He'd be there a you go. great defensive coordinator. As a matter of fact, he's the defensive coordinator that destroyed the Rams in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you got to give him props there. Gerard Mayo, the Patriots linebacker coach, another great one. Um, and then I would also throw my name in the hat or his name in the hat for ex Rams cornerback coach, Aubrey pleasant, uh, very uh, much liked him. He went to the lions, uh, with, um, with Glenn, I think, yeah, like, I know he was fired this year, but I think that he was definitely building something with the Rams and it was probably not happy. He wasn't promoted. And then of course, you know, uh, Raheem came in and Brandon Staley came in. Uh, I think he'd be interesting. And then Cowboys defensive backs coach. I've been doing my homework. If you can't tell uh, Cowboys defensive backs coach, Joe Witt jr. I mean, the Cowboys secondary is disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's done a great job. I think he's ready to become a defensive coordinator. He's under the Dan Quinn kind of, you know, that, that umbrella. Um, I think that would be exciting to get a new perspective in there. Uh, you know, I think Sean McVay wants to keep it familiar, but if you want to get a new perspective, maybe bring in a new defensive philosophy. I think Joe Witt jr. Kind of gives you that, you know, and and brings over the Dan Quinn type of perspective that has taken the Cowboys from, let's be honest here. Can't get over the eight and eight mark to now they might win the NFC if things work out for them. So, I mean, that's a big reason is because that stout defense that Dan Quinn has created. Um, those are just some guys, but and I want to know. go back. I, I want to not... go go to someone really quick though, Jake. Uh, yeah. Audrey Pleasant. So I was with Audrey Pleasant when I went to the Rams. <clears throat> the way he broke things down for the DBs, the way he made the game simple and not complicated for the Rams defense was out of this world. He was someone that stuck out to me, um, Audrey Pleasant. And so and then going also to the uh, your other point, uh, your Brian Flores, right? He didn't have a fair shake at the Miami Dolphins. Let's just, just keep it playing. He didn't have a fair shake there. So now he's at the Steelers. And so this could be a great, the Rams could be a great place for him to revive whatever, whatever, whatever he had going on. But going back to Audrey Pleasant again, he's one of my favorites. I mean, just the, per, he's very personable, right? Very pleasant, right? If you not, if you want to use it <laughs> that way, but that, that guy there being the defensive coordinator, I think he would make the game simpler for the deep, for the defensive backs. And then also, too, we talk about that Brendo bend don't break uh, and finding that <laughs> in that cover two defense with that those hole shots. I'm sure he's at home right now watching the Rams defense like, man, Rams players like, why don't you all do this or do that? So I can just hear him, you know, saying those things out loud. But it would be cool to see that. And I think just to the point of next year, these coaches are going to be licking their chops to get to the Rams at the end of the day. Right. They, they know they know what's going on. They're licking their chops to get back, either get back in the organization or get into the organization, be in Los Angeles, coach there. Um, I think, you know, the Rams. like I'm going to say it one more time. The Rams have to finish strong to get these guys that are watching. They have to finish strong to get the best talent to to run it back next year if they if they can. I agree with you. And I feel bad that I mentioned defensive coordinator, uh, you know, guys, because first off, I don't want Raheem gone. I can't stress that enough. I love Raheem Morris. Um, I, it's more so me being unselfish and wanting him to go be a head coach because he mm-hmm. deserves it. Um, but the offensive coordinator, I think, is out regardless. And I don't think he's going to become a head coach. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I mean, Kevin O'Connell just won a Super Bowl. He's off to Minnesota. Liam Cohen didn't make the playoffs. This offense went from Super Bowl offense to this. Unfortunately, that's the that's the name of the game. And, you know, you have to produce. I think the Rams would be insane not to make Thomas Brown their head, uh, their their offensive coordinator. I, I just and and make him the play caller. I think with his background with the running backs, I think he'd manage the running game perfectly. I think that is the last thing Sean McVay is missing is the running game management. He does some things that I have issues with, but you can let it go as long as they manage the run game. Well, they did it a little bit better this week. Don't get me wrong, but I want to see them do it even better uh, moving forward. There's no reason took, why it took them a while to get here too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it took you until week 12 to figure that out and, and to only get a 19 carries out of your running backs. That's not even like a ton, Pacheco at 22 is own. So, um, you know, I would say Thomas Brown has to be, the guy that they go with uh, some other guys that mentioned in house, Zach Robinson, the passing game coordinator, quarterback coach. 
Uh, he went from PFF. He went from uh, Oklahoma State quarterback, played a little bit in the NFL uh, to now, you know, he has he's right there. So, I mean, if if Thomas Brown ends up going to be a head coach, that could be another thing. If some team wants him as a head coach, then hate, hate to break it to you, but he's not going to be your OC. Uh, then you have Jay Gruden. Very interesting there. You know, Sean McVay worked underneath him. Uh, Gruden's an offensive consultant this year. Could be interesting, you know, higher there. Uh, I mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I Mm. think he's going to get let go after the season in Arizona um, and they're friends. So, you know, that would be a way to get him back up there. You know, it's a stop game with coaching. And if you can be the offensive coordinator, turn this offense around, you could be a head coach the next year. That would be exciting. you know, and then I would mention uh, some other guys, Hank Fraley, the Lions offensive line coach that unfortunately would step on the toes probably of Kevin Carberry. But, you know, you bring him in as the OC. I think, I mean, the offensive line for the Lions has been unbelievable. Um, you know, then you look over at the quarterback coach and what the Falcons are doing over there in Atlanta. Charles London has gotten Marcus Mariota absolutely prepared for this season. Uh, Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson, guy that's on my list here. Chargers quarterback coach Shane Day. Bills quarterback coach Joe Brady. But uh, Broncos wide receiver coach Zach Azani, he's done it. I think he's done a great job of developing some of those receivers. Um, mainly a guy that I kind of gave up on in KJ Hamler. I think he's kind of had a, a breath of fresh air into his uh, into his career. I think he kind of figured it out this year, uh, despite the season going awry. And then the Browns running back coach Stump Mitchell. Um, that would mean probably that Thomas Brown left, and now you're going to take a new. Uh, you know, course of action with the running back room. But uh, I mean, what can you say about the Browns running backs? It doesn't matter if it's Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, um, you know, Jerome Ford, whoever is running the ball for them has had success. And uh, I think Stump Mitchell's done a nice job there. So those are some guys to keep in mind. There's probably some other college guys I didn't mention. No, Lincoln Riley is not coming to the Rams. He's probably going to win a national title this year if they make the, the college football playoff. So uh, I'm not going to put him in there, more. but I have one more, know. Jake. I have one more, Jake. And so you talk about oh, yeah, some of the, you talk about some of the Broncos, right? Nathaniel Hackett. I know he's the head coach there now. He was the OC at the Green Bay Packers before. Who like Cliff Kingsbury? Who knows if he's going to be there as the head coach next year? And so Nathaniel Hackett, he was my OC at the uh, when I was at Syracuse as well. And so he does a great. Some some coordinators are great at coordinating, right? Not all the time of being the head coach, and so. Nathaniel Hackett, I think keeping an eye on him as well, if he's still the Broncos or not, um, he could be a great addition. Um, but to your point, coaches should be licking their chops to get get to the Rams. I feel like I feel like the Rams are almost like Alabama, where the, if you're not a, a head coach in the NFL or coach in the NFL, you go to Alabama, you coach people up, and then you go catapult off and go somewhere else. We've seen uh, it. Yeah, With everyone. exactly, exactly, exactly. And so one of um, you know, one of my one of my coaches from from Syracuse, he went to become the head coach of the Bills, uh, Doug Marone, and then ended up back at Alabama. He's the O line coach at Alabama. They're looking stout, by the way. <laughs> Alabama's offensive line, the way they held up uh, Auburn this past week. But you know, going to a, going to a place to regroup. You know what I mean? Uh, whether it be hey uh, Audrey Pleasant coming over to the Rams again, uh, whether it be uh, some of these other coaches, Nathaniel Hackett coming to regroup, and then after they're finished. Go ahead and catapult off to be a head coach somewhere. So we'll we'll see. But at the end of the day, the Rams gotta finish. They gotta finish for for it to be a desirable place. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think we're absolutely on the same page there. You know, they've they finished strong enough where they don't have to win another game. But if if they're competitive in every game, like you said, there are gonna be coaches licking their chops. I mean, like, what could this team be with a healthy Cooper Cup? You know, Stafford comes back, the offensive line doesn't have 14, 15 guys <laughs> starting for them all year. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. When people yeah. say they need to just draft offensive linemen, no, they need to just keep the offensive linemen healthy because I don't think they're that bad. Um, and, and another thing I'll say is they drafted a guy in the third round in Logan Bruss, who I'm excited about. I mean, he tore his ACL and we all forget about him because of it, but I have not. And that's somebody that I cannot wait for them to get, you know, under the hood, be able to kind of, you know, work out the kinks in his game and build him up. It might take a year or two. You know, he might not be able to start this year because the ACL tear, it didn't allow him to really be around all the guys and really get coached up. 
but make no mistake about it that guy in two to three years could end up being really good uh could be you know your replacement for uh austin corbett who is killing it over in carolina to the shock of nobody that's one of the guys i wanted back uh but hey you know they spent over a hundred million dollars on the offensive line you can't fix it all in one year um i think the injuries were brutal this year and i think like you and i are saying i think coaches and i think especially udfas watch undrafted rookie for agency there's going to be a lot of guys that want to go to the rams first off they've given udfas a shot in the past i don't have to tell you that yeah. uh but you know uh secondly this team it, it's just the like regardless if you're a competitive dude or not this team is the perfect fit if you're looking to go to a place and be somebody that turns it around, whether you even believe that anything really needs to be that turned around or not, if they don't win another game, they're three and 14 this year or whatever. Right. I think they'll win probably another game or two, at least. I mean, I can't see them going three and 14, but stranger things have happened. If you come to this team with three and 14 last year, coming off a super bowl win, you have to imagine if this team somewhat sticks together, they add a couple pieces like again you're you're sitting on a gold mine here i mean yeah. you know you turn this thing around and you know people are going to overrate it a little bit even like if you're the oc and all of a sudden this offense is not even as good as the super bowl offense but you're winning you know games and stuff and, and say you win another super bowl you're sitting on a gold mine people are going to overrate you they're going to watch you and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if you're Cliff Kingsbury or Nathaniel Hackett, all is forgotten in the past. If you come here and you win and you turn this team around, does not matter if, oh, well, this is a team that was built, does not matter. Results matter. Yeah. So I'm it's excited. like we've been saying. You got me hyped for these next six games, Jake. I mean, you got me hyped. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, previewing the Seattle Seahawks as well. Um, but, you know, the Rams have to take some shots. You know, they have to take shots so they can be that turnaround team come next year. But, I mean, yeah, I I'm hype. I hope hopefully the Rams fans are hyped as well because it's not over yet. Ladies and gents, it's not over yet. So we, we still got some more work to do here. That is true. Uh, I think that's going to do it, though. It's been a fun show that we've done. Um, somehow we get each other that excited, even coming off <laughs> the eighth loss of the year. Uh, but hey, you know, I, presented by uh, Ben Online, this has been the Believe in Rams podcast. Uh, Jake Ellenbogen, he's Cameron Lynch. You can go follow him at Cameron Lynch 50. You can follow me at JK Bogan. Be sure to check out all of the merch over on Believe.com. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all that jazz. Oh, and uh, you guys take care. We'll see you guys later on the week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.